Father, thank you for the way that you do hear and answer our prayer. God, thank you so much that when we have problems and issues that we can bring those to you and, and know that you hear, know that you care, know that you have an answer coming. Uh, Lord, our confidence is in you. God, thank you for our church family. Thank you for the way that you use us in one another's lives. God, thank you for the opportunities that we have to give the gospel, to make disciples, to train up and equip people to go and do the same. Lord, uh, we're such a rich church family. And uh, Lord, we, we do want to remember the need of the fatherless. And so, Lord, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, in, you know, we're asking that you, not only would you lead us, but that, Lord, you would give us ability to give. Uh, give us the ability to be able to, to, to give the offering and, Lord, where the opportunities arise, uh, give the time, give the support uh, to, to, to really lean in and, and uh, help the fatherless all in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you'd bless our time in your word. God, uh, I'm begging you that, that we'd be a local church that wouldn't be satisfied uh, to be a typical Laodicean church. Uh, that, Lord, we'd be hungry for the, just for the glory that you're supposed to receive in our lives, that we'd long for the, the fullness of the Spirit. Lord, that we'd long for you to be mightily glorified in and through us as your people. And so, God, would you just prepare our hearts to receive your word? Lord, um, you see me, I'm weak, I'm foolish, I'm a man of stumbling lips. Um, but, Lord, your word is awesome. And you can speak to us in a way that we don't just understand it, uh, but Lord, your word penetrates our hearts and our lives, and, and we can actually live it. Um, we can live it for your glory, and so God, help us right now, I ask in Christ's name, amen. Okay, last week, uh, our conclusion was 1 Corinthians chapter 14, or actually this is a couple weeks ago. Grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 14, get that in one hand. And then get 2 Samuel 23 in the other hand. We'll be down in 2 Samuel 23 in just a minute. But the way I left it last time in 1 Corinthians 14 was, man, I'm just longing for us as a people to have this testimony. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's start in verse 24. Just the need to be able to proclaim, to foretell, to prophesy, right, to preach the word. If I'll prophesy... You know, if somebody comes into the service and they don't understand a thing that's going on, there's no edification in that. But man, if we're all speaking the word of God and somebody comes in that's not a believer and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, right? He's convinced of all, he is judged of all because he sees the reality of who we are, of the reality of who God is in us. Thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. We have something that he doesn't. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. People 
should come into these services. They should come into our times when we're gathered together, when we're gathered together corporately, but also when we're gathered together in our Bible studies, uh, small groups, like the reality of who God is, it should be manifest in us as his people. People should come into our Sunday services or Tuesday night prayer meetings and say, God is in this place. I see the evidence, I see the truth of it. And then recognize their desperate need. Okay, so we're a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. We love verses like Isaiah 55, 11. Um, we actually haven't used that in a service here in a while, but I think everybody, if you've been around here for any length of time, you've, you've heard this verse bandied about, and rightly so. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it, right, the, the word of God, it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And so we believe that the word of God is powerful. We believe it's mighty. We believe that this is a living book. We believe that it does the work of ministry. Just get it open, get people's eyes on it, and it will just go to work, and it will go to town on somebody's heart. It's awesome. The word does not come back void. It accomplishes the purposes that God intends for it to accomplish. To accomplish. And this is why we're all, I mean, we're big on doctrine. Uh, your doctrine, uh, the Bible says what it means, it means what it says. You can't just read the word of God and say, this is the word of God, but it's, you know, I'm gonna interpret it according to my truth or my understanding. I'm gonna make it say what I want it to say. No, 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 words have meaning. God said what he meant, he meant what he said, and so, what, you know, it's not our job to change what it says or to reinterpret it or reimagine it. <laughs> People reimagining the Bible left and right right now, and they're just coming into all kinds of just wicked apostasy. No, 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 it says what it means, it means what it says. Good doctrine matters. I mean, we're all about that here at MBT. And I thank God, I mean, I really do. I thank God for this church. My whole family has been saved from a, purpose, a purposeless life, right? A, a wasted life because God used this church. I'm so grateful for the Kidtown ministry. I'm so grateful for the student ministry, for Kaya. I'm so grateful for the men and women who have modeled Christ for my family. I thank God for this church. And the word does go forth so powerfully in this place, man. I mean, we got, I mean, it's not just the pastor staying faithful to the word, it's the Bible study leaders, the fellowship leaders, the, 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 the ministry leaders, everybody is bringing the word of God, and it's wonderful. But at the same time, I think about What's going on in Kansas City? Year over year, our murder rate is too high. The crime rate is too high. Um, abortion, drugs and addiction, alcoholism, abuse in homes. And we're just learning the Bible. Uh, we're growing more and more in our Bible knowledge. I think, you know, people go through that and, and they'll even go through seasons in life, you know, especially when you're young in the Lord, your Bible first starts coming together for you. You get really smug about what you know in the Bible. And all around us, our city's going to hell in a handbasket. So many times over the years, um, there's just been, uh, this will come and go for me, but I'll look at what's going on in our city and I'll just feel so powerless. Like what in the world? I mean, our city is such a hot mess and it's not working for people year over year. It's the same, it's the same crime, it's the same dysfunction. You, you know, 
was what Albert Einstein, who was it that said the height of insanity is trying things over and over again, you just keep getting the same failing results, but then you just keep going, I mean, it's like a dog going back to their vomit, you know? It's just, it's, it's never has worked, it's never gonna work. Why aren't people flocking to Christ? I mean, this is a good church full of God's people. And we are winning souls and making disciples and we're training and equipping people. But man, we, I mean, we live in a target-rich environment. Like, why aren't there so many more people coming to Christ? Because they must. And if a church like MBT isn't doing it, is it, is it gonna get done? You know, our Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching churches need to be all about bringing people to the Bible. Here's what's so easy for us to miss. We've got all this great training in the Word of God, but there's a shortage of power to live it, to tactically live it out where the lost can see it lived. You know, Jesus told the Sadducees in Mark chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus answering said unto them, do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? I mean, they were missing it on both counts. They didn't know the word. The Sadducees didn't believe in a supernatural Bible. They didn't even think there was a resurrection. Right? This is why they were the Sadducees. They were sad, you see. That's the shorthand <laughs> for the Sadducees. It'll keep them straight. That'll help you keep them straight. I mean, they didn't, they didn't know their Bible, and they certainly didn't know the power of God. I want you to see something that Again, we've looked at this off and on over the years and it's been several years since we've looked at it and so I just wanna bring this up. I think that this ought to move us to humbly cry out to the Lord. Uh, Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19, Jesus is reading Isaiah 61 and he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why, why, why does Jesus have the spirit upon him? Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then in verse 21, he said, you know, okay, here's this prophecy in Isaiah. He began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Okay, so the Lord Jesus is saying, everybody's lost, everybody's a mess. It's a hopeless situation but don't worry about it. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to see captives set free, to see the, whole made, the, 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 the lame made whole, uh, to see people have a walk with God. I mean, that's, it's, it's taking place right now. Okay, if the Lord needed the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, for the ministry that God gave him, and he's the guy that spoke everything to exi into existence, he's the, Almighty God, and he needs the Holy Spirit for the ministry that God gives him. We're, we're certainly not any better than the Lord, amen? Okay, if he had that need, how desperately do we have that need? We think we need a raise, we think we need stuff, we think we need a new car, we think we need a better place to live, we think we need this, that, and the other, and what we desperately need is the filling of the Spirit. I mean, how foolish to think that what we're doing at MBT, our approach, our agenda, the way we conduct our services, when we hold events, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do something where we'll have a great time together and give the gospel, you know, we're fishing. 
But none of that can substitute for God's holy power. Nothing, none of that substitutes for God's spirit working in our ministry together. So how foolish to invite somebody to a service, to a Bible study, and never agonize before the throne of God over their soul for God to, con- to you know, God has to convict them of sin. I can give the gospel, but it'll go right over their head, but the Holy Spirit can take what I'm saying and drive it right into their heart. And so to invite people to come and be a part of what we're doing without agonizing for the work of the Spirit, to come in and convict them over sin, right? To empower the preaching of his word, um, we're missing it. It's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's by God's Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Man, we ought to be agonizing before the Lord for our pastors. Lord, don't let our pastors get into the pulpit this Sunday and just deliver a speech. What a waste of time. Let your word come forth. Let your word be made plain. Let your word be, let the application of your word be made. God, let your word pierce hearts. So again, what I long for in this place is that the lost would come in, right? He doesn't know God. He doesn't know what it means to have a walk with God, but he sees, he sees us having it, and he's convinced of all. He's judged of all, and the secrets of his heart are made manifest. He falls down and worships, man, God of a truth, right? God is in you of a truth. Okay, so he's seeing that because of what's coming out of our life. Remember we made the comparison two weeks ago with John 13. It's by our love one for another that the lost world knows that we're his disciples. And so they see us not discounting um, like the, in God's economy, in God's household, in, in, in God's ministry structure, in the church, right? It's a no man left behind proposition. Now, sometimes people leave. Like what are we gonna do about that? Like that's between them and the Lord. Like if you're forbidding people to leave, you're a little cult member, you're a little cult leader in the making, okay? People have a free will, uh, but we don't give up on them. Even if they leave, we love them, we're praying for them. And even if they never come back to fellowship here, man, if they just land in fellowship somewhere and they're moving forward in faith with God's people, praise the Lord, that's a touchdown, wonderful, right? Um, they see us laying our, our lives down one for another. Like, I mean, what kind of love did Christ have for us? The mind of Christ, the mentality of Christ was he took all the wrong and suffered our wrath, right? The wrath of the Father over our sin in our place while we were his enemy, like, like we were antichrist, and he laid down his life loving us. Okay, now that, I mean, if you're mature in Christ, that's your perspective on your brother or your sister in Christ. Some of you, it's time to grow up. You're waiting for your spouse to leave you because you just can't hardly stand it anymore. You puny little excuse for a Christian man or woman die already. Recognize that this person that God's placed in your life, 
biblically, if you have the mind of Christ, they're better than you. What does Philippians chapter two say? He esteemed us better than himself. That's the takeaway from, from Philippians chapter two. Are we better than Jesus? No way, no how. I mean, he is the one who is right the whole time. He's the one who is righteous, and yet he took our wrong, he took our sin. I mean, even when he's crucified, it's Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He never gave, I mean, he never gave up on me. How dare we give up on somebody? I mean, this is the person that Christ bled and died for. Then on top of that, in some cases, it's somebody that you made a vow. You went into a covenant relationship with them before the Lord in front of the rest of the church, and you said you were gonna be faithful and true to them, forsaking all others, no matter the circumstances, until death do you part. Um, now you wanna throw them away, or you want them to run away? Ah, we miss it. I mean, that person sat next to you, biblically, if you've got the mind of Christ, they're better than you. Okay, is everybody with me so far? Okay, so the lost world sees that. They don't have that. They don't live like that. So they see us loving one another the way that we're supposed to, and then they see what comes out of our life, the word of God coming out of our life, not just verbally, but, man, we're living it. Like, they don't have that. So there's a fourth telling, right? Uh, they're, they're, the, the, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing whenever you get to the place where you're having conversation, you're talking with people, and they're like, well, what do you think about whatever it is? What do you think about the Middle East situation? And immediately you're like, well, it doesn't matter what I think about it. Let me tell you what the Bible says. I mean, you're just like, you're all about what the Bible says. Okay, the lost world notices that. They see that. Uh, it speaks to them. Okay, so the word of God is now, they see the love, they see the word of God pouring out, and it's not just any preaching. It's not just excitement about the facts of the word. This word, the word that's used here, right? He that prophesieth speaketh, First uh, Corinthians chapter four, go up to verse three. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So the re results are whatever, you know, if God's in us and what's coming out of us is the living word of God, then that builds up the faith of the people that we're talking to, the people that we're investing in. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. The results are blessing for the hearer. So it's, it's this preaching of the word, this teaching of the word of God, and it's not just any preaching, right? This word again means to speak in the power of God's spirit. And here's our key verse. Look at 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23, we'll pick it up in verse one. Now these be the last words of David, David the son of Jesse, the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, you know, anytime you got the last words of someone, you wanna pay attention, it's a big deal. So the Bible tells you these are his last words. What are his last words? The spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. What is the critical key? It's speaking the word of God in the power of God. In other words, when God's people have mouths full of the reality of the, of the word of God in the power of the spirit of God, then what happens to the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind and the bruised? I mean, what 
should happen when the lost hear how God answers prayer? What should the lost, what should happen when the lost hears the promises of God's word declared over their life? Well, then he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will, wor- he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So there it is. You know, David's last words, this last statement is, the spirit of the Lord spake by me. It wasn't my word, it was his word. His word, not mine. That's what was coming out of my mouth. Okay, so we can know a lot of facts about the Bible and we can regurgitate them, or the Bible can be alive in us. As we're getting filled with the word of God, we're being filled with the spirit of God, and now that's just pouring out of our life. Well, you can't just make that happen. You can't manufacture that. All we can do is be faithful to be in the word. You wanna be in the word, just you and God. You wanna be in the word with your small group in your small group Bible study. You wanna be in the word with your fellowship, with this local church. But brothers and sisters, it's not an academic pursuit alone, right? There is understanding But that's not all of it. There has to be the living. And that only happens as the Holy Spirit lives out the word of God in and through our life. We can't make it happen, but we can call on the Lord to help us. Remember what we saw on Sunday, how God's a good father and we can pray and he'll give us of his spirit. I mean, he's a good father. He wants to bless you with with the filling of the spirit so that your times in the word are profitable, so that your times in devotion and prayer with the Lord are drawing you closer to him. We can call on the Lord to help. You know, in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. So just do the sanctified math, all right? In Romans chapter eight, if it's God's will that every one of us be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, to have his mind, to be, to live like him, to act like him, to walk like him, to talk like him, if that's God's will for us to be conformed into his image, if he wants us to be mature, well, if we're praying along those lines, won't he bless us to mature, to do that? He wants us, the command is to be filled with the spirit in Ephesians five. He commands us to do that. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Well, if we're asking for the filling, as we're in the Word, Colossians 3, you compare both of those passages again. You know, in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. What comes out of your life if you're filled with the Spirit? Immediately after that, the Word of God is pouring out of your life in praise. When he says the exact same thing, to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter three, verse 16, is the same thing. Instead of saying being filled with the Spirit, he says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and what comes out of your life, the exact same thing as being filled with the Spirit. The word of God comes out of your life and praise. Okay, so if that's God's command to be filled with the Spirit, can't we trust the Lord to help us to do that? Again, I made this point before. I feel like I'm gonna to have to reiterate it over and over again. People, what, the, what, what I keep finding out, I find out it's actually true experientially, but I keep reading and seeing studies that says people have to hear things seven times before it clicks. Seven times, <laughs> okay. 
I'm going to sound like I'm just beating a dead horse, only it's not. It's a drum that we've got to all start boogieing to. Okay, so that's what I'm beating. It's going to be tough for you. It's going to be tough for me to be filled with the Spirit if I'm getting full of everything else. And if I'm spending all my time and my attention, I'm not telling you that, you know, I mean, they're coming out with Reacher season two. I'm gonna have to watch that. But I'm not telling you that movie night is a sin. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that, you know, reading a book, uh, reading a history, reading a fiction, that that is, no, I'm not. But if that's what you're given to, if that's what you're pursuing, and you're filling yourself up with the things of this world, how effectively are you going to be being filled with the Spirit when you're already full, right? Just remember what Grandma told you. You're a little kid, you go visit Grandma, and Grandma's always got cookies, and she's telling you you can't eat it because you will you're going to spoil your meal. You can have one after the meal. She doesn't want you filling up on junk, so, right? So you'll eat her turkey and mixed vegetables or whatever. Sad granny meals on. Okay, so there it is, okay? Like, if you're full of junk, you're not going to desire something that's actually productive and beneficial for you. Brothers and sisters, some of us, we need to break up tonight with a relationship that is just carnal. It's just a pursuit in the flesh. Why? Because you're not gonna get filled with the Spirit that way. It's hogging up, it's taking up all the real estate. Some of you, you, you need to put a hammer through your PlayStation. Like, okay, fine, don't do that. Sell it. And take the proceeds and, and, and on Giving Tuesday, support the fatherless, okay? Or support the Haydens in, in Zambia, all right? Put, put it to use. You guys get what I'm saying? We get so, we got an appetite for the car, these carnal things. Um, entertainment, sports, whatever it is. And uh, man, you just need to fast. Maybe you need to fast those things for a month. You need to fast those things for a season and, and, and seek the Lord. Watch what happens. Okay, so we can't manufacture it, but we can call on the Lord for it. And so I want to do that. I want us to close tonight in another season of prayer. So when we break up into this round of, this last round of prayer, just remember that you're not praying to your group. You're praying with your group to the Lord. So don't put on a performance. Let's call on the Lord. Um, let's call on God. Don't worry about what the person next to you is thinking. You just unburden your heart to the Lord. But can we just call on the Lord for the reality of 1 Corinthians 14? That the lost would come in and they would see that of a truth, God is in this place. That we'd be bold to invite people and they'd be compelled to come because we have something that they don't have. We've got a city, a city that is dying in sin, and so let's ask the Lord. Like, there's so many lost people. Um, there's so many lost people, we ought to have to have like 15 week services on the weekend. Like, there's, like, we should never be able to keep up and be able to train enough people and send them out fast enough. There's just too many lost people, right? Like, why aren't we, 
why aren't we winning Kansas City to Christ? I mean, we're doing it in bits, fits and starts, but my goodness, we are in a target-rich environment. Let's call on the Lord. Let's pray for the anointing. Luke chapter four, let's ask the Lord for the reality of that. Let's pray for our pastors, that they'd have quality time with God and his word. I feel like we're at a stage in our ministry where we're always fighting with busyness, and we've, you know, like the big challenge right now is slowing down, be still. We need our pastors to be still and know that he's God, right? Let's pray for their quality time with God and his word. That they, would be, that they would be filled with the Spirit, that our pulpits would be hot, and that there'd be conviction when the Word of God is preached. Let's pray for laborers for the kingdom. Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. Big harvest, not a lot of workers. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's get in our groups. Let's call on the Lord to do what only God can do, to anoint us for his glory, to anoint us so that we can be fruitful. All right, let's pray.